You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. Uh, We are week four in our sermon series called The Great Commission, The Great Commission. Uh, We call it The Great Commission. This was was Logan's idea. Uh, Who would ever imagine that Logan would come up with something like co-mission? But the reality is that we get to do this together. This is a community call. This This is something that we endeavor together. Uh, There's no one of us that's ever going to be Jesus to somebody. I said, I hope not. Those people are kind of of weird. (laughs) People that try to be Jesus to somebody. Uh, But we also get to do it with Jesus. And and one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about discipleship is because I've been a Christian a long time, but it was only the last probably 15 years where I understood my call to make disciples and actually experience Jesus in that process. And this series, we focus more on the being part of being in the presence of Jesus, because oftentimes I think when, when we hear like, oh, well, we need to make disciples. Well, that means I got to change my schedule. I got to, I got to do things and, 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 and maybe you'll change your schedule. Uh, that's okay. But sometimes we get the cart in front of the horse and what we where our discipleship needs to come out of our being with Jesus. The disciples spent thousands of hours with Jesus. We get that same opportunity through the work of the Holy Spirit. But when we choose to be on mission with Jesus, it changes us and changes our experience. Now, Logan talked about discipleship last week and he presented these two lists. Let's pull up the first list. This this corporate discipleship idea, like I've lived this out in so many ways. The corporate discipleship model. In in the military, I did this. Airmen, I do, you watch, and we'll talk about it. I do, you help me. We talk. You do, I help we talk, you do, I evaluate you. That's what we call it in the, in the military. I evaluate you, I watch, we talk, you do, airmen, and let someone else watch. And that's, and, and, and we do this within the church world too. Uh, Logan does this with people that, work, that want to work on the tech team. Hey, this is how we set these pieces up. So this is, this, this model is not a bad model. It's, it's one that, that uh, has standed the test of time. But Jesus' discipleship model is a little different. It starts with, I be, you watch, we talk. And it goes to, I be, you be, we talk. I do out of my being. My being is changed because I'm being discipled. You watch, we talk. You do out of your being. I watch, we talk. You be, someone else watches. 
So that's Jesus' discipleship model. That's, that's the discipleship model that we are uh, trying to sell you guys on, as it were, right? And, and Logan said this, discipleship from a place of being is sustainable, steady, and successful. We're not, as a church, we're not interested in, in you doing more. I think there will be a result. There, there's a reality that you will do more if you choose to become a disciple who makes disciples. You will do more. But that's not the goal. The goal is for you to be with Jesus. I need to be with Jesus. I take time regularly to be with Jesus. And there's, at some point in this series, we have to talk about having those spiritual conversations with their friends or family, people coming to you, asking questions, or, or maybe you going to them and you starting the conversation, whatever the case may be. We, we, have, to, we have to talk about those. So uh, that's this point of the series. This is where we're at. And, and I just, I want you to think about some of those conversations that you've had. You've had with your, maybe your best friend, you've had with your neighbor, you've had with your uncle, your aunt. I want you to think about those spiritual conversations. And, and I, in particular, I want you to think about those awkward ones. Can you picture that awkward spiritual conversation you had with somebody where it felt forced, it felt weird, it felt, ugh. Or maybe someone tried to force a conversation with you and you're just like, how do I get out of this? Help, please. <laughs> Can you picture that conversation? Because I've had some conversations that went amazingly well. Like I couldn't even imagine that those conversations would have gone that well. And then I've had some conversations where three minutes in, I'm sweating bullets right? And I want to leave. And I started the conversation. <laughs> I get an amen. Have you ever been there? Some are easy. Some are so awkward. Why is that? Well, we're going to look at a conversation that takes place between Jesus and a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And, uh, and see what we could pull out of this conversation and, and see what we can learn about our conversations, our spiritual conversations. Uh, this is found in John chapter three. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Pay attention to that. He is a smart man. He knows his Bible. He knows his stuff. He's had lots of spiritual conversations this is who's coming to Jesus. This man came to Jesus by night, that's fascinating, and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Now notice right off the bat that Nico noticed Jesus for his being. His being. We, we paid attention to just who you are, how you live, what you do, and how you do it. Nicodemus noticed his being. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Can he? Fair question. <laughs> Jesus, what are you talking about? I don't want to go back in there. I feel cramped in my world as it is. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. This is a foundational teaching of Jesus. This is him as prophet, him as teacher, him as a son of God. He's teaching us something brand new. This is the, the New Testament doesn't have that much new as it were, but this is new. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Notice he changes things. He was talking about water. And now he's talking about flesh. The spirit stays consistent. Do not be amazed. I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Now we're going to stop here in the story and pay attention to a couple of things. First of all, uh, spirit and wind, both in the Greek and in the Hebrew, each of those languages is the same word. So you only understand if it's wind or spirit based off of context. Okay. So in, in the Hebrew, it's, it's uh, ruach. And in the Greek, it's pneuma. That word is either translated into our English, spirit or wind. So, so we have to pay attention to that. But this interchange of these two words of water and flesh, what in the world is going on there? Now, we are mostly water. Well, 50 to 65% of us are water or water, uh, except for when I'm drinking coffee, then I drop down to about 35%. <laughs> but, but Jesus is interchanging flesh and, and water, and, 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 and the Nicodemus will have understood flesh and spirit. He will have understood the difference there. But why is he bringing in this conversation about the water? Well, we have to know our Bibles a little bit and understand that there's been a few times in in uh, biblical history that the water and spirit show up together. The first story is in Genesis one at creation. We're told that the world is, is, uh, is, is chaotic and the, and the spirit hovers over that chaos. And when God speaks into that chaos, we have creation. We have something that's birthed. Okay. The second time we see water and, and spirit, water and ruach, water and wind show up is in Genesis 8 with Noah's flood. The waters are receding because of God's spirit. This is part of God. This is the rebirth of the world. So, so far we have two birth accounts with water and spirit. The next 
time we see water and spirit show up is in Genesis, or I'm sorry, Exodus 14, with the parting of the Red Sea. We're told that there's a strong ruach, a strong wind that moves over the waters. Now, remember in that story, you got the Israelites, they're stuck between rock and a hard place, right? They have, they have the Red Sea on the one side and they have, they have the army on the other side. This is a dangerous time for the Israelites. If God does not show up, they're dead. And yet, this is when Israel is reborn in their minds. This is when Israel is reborn. Uh, there's other cool connections to the Exodus story, to, to the idea of being birthed. Um, the lamb, one, one rabbi that, uh, that, was, that came about or was alive around the time of Jesus, um, he had this uh, idea, he, had this, he presented this idea that, that the lamb was cooked in a fetal position. And remember how the Israelites were to leave. They took the blood of the lamb, and let's say this is a door, they took the blood of the lamb and they put it on the outside of the door, the two doorposts and the lentil across the door, kind of like a birth canal. And they left in haste, like every woman hopes that the child will do when they're giving birth. <laughs> the Exodus is a picture of re birth in the mind of a Jewish man or woman. And when Jesus says, you need to be born of the spirit, Jesus is connecting both to their history, their past, and what will take place. What do I mean by that? Let's go to John chapter 16. Uh, same gospel writers capturing this story as the first story. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. What a shocking statement that Jesus is making to his disciples. It's to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage that, I, that, I'm, uh, that I'm murdered. I'm buried. I'm resurrected. And I go into heaven. For if I do not go away, the helper, capital H, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but I cannot... You cannot bear them now, but when he, the spirit of truth, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what, will, what is to come. He will glorify me for he'll take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. This is where this partnership 
of discipleship comes in. Remember the first week we talked about Jesus saying that great promise, I'm with you always, even to the end of age. That's, that's 2022 and beyond. Jesus is with us today as we engage in this commission to make disciples. How's that possible? Have you seen Jesus? I haven't seen Jesus. I've seen the Spirit. I've seen the work of the Holy Spirit. I've seen God work in people's lives. I've had God answer questions when I've prayed to him saying, hey, how do I have this conversation with this person? And the conversation goes way better than I could have planned or even anticipated. And when people say yes to Christ, like they're, and, and there's joy in them and there's peace. I've seen the miracle of the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. And so Jesus says, we need to be born of the flesh. Good news, 100% of us are there, right? But we also need to be born of the Holy Spirit. We need God's Spirit in us. I want to go back because I I skipped one of the slides. Uh, There's one other time in biblical history, uh, a significant event, where water and spirit show up at the same time. And it's at the baptism of Jesus. Remember that story, Jesus goes into the water. First of all, John the Baptist goes, I don't understand why I'm baptizing you. You don't need to be, you don't need to repent of anything. And he says, just let's, let's just do this. Trust me on this. Go with me a little bit on this one, John. Go with me on this one, cousin. Jesus goes into the water. He's immersed in the water. And when he comes out, the spirit comes down. Like a dove. Jesus was identifying with his humanity and identifying with us when he went into those waters. He's an example of of what baptism is to look like, that we are to be immersed. He's letting us know that This is when we receive the Holy Spirit. When we say yes to the life that Jesus is calling us to, when we repent of our sins, say, yep, I'm a knucklehead. Did all the things, did all the deeds, done all those things, and received the grace of Jesus Christ. Born of water and the Spirit. Now, as the story continues with Nicodemus, Oniko says to him, how can these things be? How can it be that we could be born of the, of the flesh and be born of the spirit? And, and I love this question from Nicodemus because, because we take it for granted anymore. But think about the number of times in the Old Testament. Think about who actually had the Holy Spirit. It was a handful of people. And they were spiritual giants. David, Elijah. uh, The only only one that wasn't a spiritual giant was uh, Saul. (laughs) Right? 
right? But everyone else, there's Isaiah, like Nicodemus saying, are you saying that I'm going to be like Isaiah? I'm going to be like Hosea? I'm going to be like Malachi? I'm going to be like Elijah? Are you kidding me? Like the Holy Spirit's just going to be given to whomever? Now, I think Nicodemus in this moment is going, either there's going to be so few people going to heaven, like that doesn't make sense, or the Holy Spirit's going to be given to everybody as unmerited favor. That's the good news. Because it's the second one. The Holy Spirit is given to everyone as unmerited favor. Favor. Can I get an amen? God just wants to be with us. And Jesus is going to tell him that. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. Jesus is like, I. Nicodemus, I've been there, I've seen things that you don't know about. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Pay attention to that statement. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the son of man. Now, this seems backwards, doesn't it? Where's God? Point, point which direction you see God at. Yet, don't we normally picture him up there and he has to come down here and then when he's done, he goes back up there? Like, isn't that the normal? I see Megan, she's got the other, she's got the other answer. Oh, you win. Gold star for you. You get another level of Torah. But we normally picture the gods up there and he has to descend and then he ascends when he's done. Like when he, I'm done. My work is done here. Think about Jacob's ladder. What's going on? The angels were here and they were ascending and they were descending. God wants to be here in our midst. God wants to be in your life. God wants connection with you. He created you for that. He doesn't avoid you because you're not worthy enough You're not good enough because you're too broken. He doesn't avoid you because he's here. And he wants to take residence inside you forever. And he wants you to experience him forever. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And oh, by the way, Jesus knows, knows what's going, up, going on up there in heaven. He could tell us all about it. But unless we believe him about our earthly existence, he won't be able to have those conversations with us. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him will, be, will have eternal life. Jesus is talking about his death, and I could go into this more, but we'd be here all day and... I'd have fun, but you guys would get hungry. And so 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Sometimes Christians, we, we get that story backwards. God's mad at you and he wants to judge you. I don't know what Jesus came for then. Doesn't match up to John chapter three. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe in him has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. That's the judgment. It's not that God rejects man. It's that man rejects God. There's a part of me that still loves darkness. I could be swallowed up in it if I gave in to it. I have to choose the light every day and countless times a day. Now, let's think about this conversation and how it applies to our conversations. Nicodemus came to Jesus and Nicodemus had his had a planned conversation, but, but so did Jesus, right? Nicodemus knew what he wanted to talk about. Jesus was already in touch with what he wanted to talk about because of who he was, how connected he was to the Father. And that's why we keep talking about being, about being connected with Jesus. Not, not just, like I know we're connected on Sundays, and I know that when we get to care group, we're connected. I know sometimes we open up our Bibles in the mornings or in the afternoons or evenings. But the rest of the day, like sometimes we live this dichotomy. We live in two separate worlds. All right, I'm in the church world. I'm going to turn on the church world. I'm going to put on my whatever, whatever, whatever I think my church world persona needs to look like. And I'm going to turn that off. And now here's the other persona of Rob. In those other environments, it's so easy for me to do this. How about you? Do you have one persona with some people in some environments and another persona in other environments? And remember why this conversation took place in the first place. These kinds of conversations are actually pretty easy to have when people come asking questions, right? I've had a lot of spiritual conversations when someone else started it. Those are my favorite. This conversation took place because of who Jesus was, his being what he chose to live out wherever he went. Now, in a training that I've been a part of, uh, I've been asked, we would ask this question, uh, discipleship. Uh, we took some folks up to Ronan to do some, to do discipleship. And Logan and I have done discipleship with uh, some of you. Um, and we did it in Moscow and, and, and Post Falls. And there's this one question in that training that I never really quite liked that said this, how much time did Jesus spend with his disciples? It's a fair question because 
the reality is discipleship takes time. And I've answered to you my idea, what I think took place. I think Jesus spent roughly 24,000 hours with his disciples. Like he spent as much time as possible. And there were times when he went away, there's times he sent them in a boat, but probably pretty close. I mean, let's call it 20,000 hours. That's a lot of time. And when we'd asked this question, how much time did Jesus spend with his disciples? The, the eyes of our people get this big, you know, the people that were leading through this training. Because like, I got to spend that much time with someone to disciple them? Well, first of all, no, the Holy Spirit's always with them. You don't have to be with them always. But it, it still takes time. That's a, it's a fair... I think the better question, though, is this next question. How much time did Jesus spend? Uh, what percentage of time was Jesus focused on the kingdom? What percentage of time was Jesus focused on God's kingdom? What percentage of time was Jesus connected to the idea that he was a spiritual being, that he had the Holy Spirit, that like he needed to be submitted to God's will. See, I think this is a, this is a target that we should be aiming for. We won't hit it, but, but this is the target we, need, we should be aiming for. I believe that Jesus 100% of the time was focused on God's kingdom. Some of those times he's like, boys, we need to go for a rest. Some of those times he's like, boys, we need to feed ourselves. Boys, we need to feed 5,000. And it wasn't just boys. It was boys and girls because there were women disciples too. Boys and girls, we're going to go worship. Boys and girls, let's do a teaching. Let's have a conversation. What is your percentage? What's a fair assessment? I know when I was in the military, uh, there were times where I turned off my, the spiritual side of Rob. I just turned it off. I didn't really like the person I was when I did that, so <laughs> didn't always live that out. But there were times where I, I just like, Zero percent right now. <laughs> and then there are times where I turn it back on. And I think that's when the conversations, the spiritual conversations I had with people were the most awkward because they weren't used to me being the spiritual person in their presence. Where is this conversation coming from? I think my most awkward conversations were when people were like, I didn't even know you were a Christian. <laughs> Hashtag embarrassing. <laughs> I'm looking around going, my pastor's not here, is he? I don't want him to know. <laughs> the spiritual world. How attuned are you to that reality? Because Jesus says there's both 
the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, there's light, and that there's other spirits, there's spiritual darkness. And wherever you go, that is our experience in this world. There's spiritual light. There's people that are pursuing God. They're, I mean, they're not perfect, but they're, 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 they're doing their best. They're, they're committed. And there's other people, they're like, there's darkness. And then there's a whole lot in between because some, sometimes we're not fully on board with what God's doing. We don't want to live that out in that environment. We don't want to live that out with those people because it could be embarrassing. It could be, uh, we could be persecuted. Someone could laugh at us. Conversations might get tough. They're really upset about a Supreme Court ruling, whatever the case may be. How attuned are you to the reality that everywhere we go, there's spiritual light and spiritual darkness? Implications this. Inviting people into spiritual conversations requires embracing the reality that you are born of the Spirit if you said yes to Christ. To move beyond the awkwardness of actually engaging others spiritually embrace this reality. Embrace the reality that you are born of the spirit. Wherever you go, whatever you do, whoever you're engaging with, that is who you are. Which gets us back to the IB you watch, we talk. Like if we could, we'll probably have more conversations, spiritual conversations, if we would just choose to be that spiritual light wherever we went and not turn it off and not turn it on or not have a real stat. That sometimes it's more dim than light. Apostle Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If we, if we call Christ ours, if we say that we are Christ's followers, if we've been baptized, if the Holy Spirit has guaranteed that we will be in heaven with him one day, let's walk by the Spirit. Second implication is this. When you invite people into spiritual conversations, now some people will invite you into the conversation, but when you invite people into the spiritual conversations, you are recognizing that they need to be born of God's spirit too. Sometimes we're just happy if someone stops doing bad things. They stop swearing, they stop chewing, they stop go going with girls to doing, I don't know. That's <laughs> Sometimes with their friends, we're just like, you know what? Their, their life is heading a little bit better trajectory. They're, they're making some better decisions. I'm happy with that. 
or maybe they still need God's spirit. Maybe they still need to experience Christ like you've experienced Christ. Because we're all, we're spiritual beings. We were created for God's spirit in the first place. And without God's spirit, there's other spirits that want to come in and, 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 and rule and dominate. That's why fear and shame and sorrow and dominates this world, dominates the landscape. Sometimes it dominates us Christians too much too. I want to talk real quickly, uh, just some practical steps uh, that we can take in having spiritual conversations. There's, there's roughly uh, four, four spiritual conversations that, uh, that I identified. The first is Q&A. That's what we see with Nicodemus. Um, hey, I got questions. You're living like this. What, what's going on here? Uh, the second one is offering to pray for someone. Hey, I, I, I don't have any answers for your, your situation. It looks tough. Can I pray for you? Most people won't say no. Uh, the third type of spiritual conversation is just telling your experience of God in your life, telling a part of your story. Uh, Logan penned this this weekend. I thought I'd share it. Uh, sharing stories is at the core of your relationship with someone. I tell you my story, you tell me yours. We experience a new one together. This is the same for a relationship with Jesus. Making a disciple is building a relationship with someone through sharing that story of how I experienced Jesus, how the gospel is actively unfolding in my life, and then inviting them to become part of my story. Your story is powerful. Because while I can argue with you over the finer points of the scriptures, I can't argue with your story. I can't argue with your experience with Jesus. And then uh, the fourth conversation type is uh, share how the scriptures have changed you. Man, that's a tough situation you're in. Uh, I, I don't have any answers for you, but this scripture meant so much to me when I went through a similar, similar time. And then there's five goals of discipleship. Uh, we want to reconnect people to the source of life. We want to reconnect people through authentic relationship. We want people to experience total grace, acceptance, and forgiveness. Experience and learn the value of obedience to God and give God give uh, control to God for the rest of our lives. These are our goals of discipleship. Because we live in a spiritual world, we want to reconnect people to the source. We want to reconnect people to the Holy Spirit. Because there's so much brokenness, so many hard things going on in this world. We want to reconnect people through authentic, healthy relationship. Because shame is such a 
big story in this world. We want, we want people to experience total grace and acceptance and forgiveness. And because there's so much, there's so much disobedience in this world, we want to help people experience and learn the value of obedience to God. And because our tendency without God's spirit is to go our own way, we want to give control to God for the rest of our lives. These are goals of discipleship. And so I want you to think about just where you're at, about your relationship with God. Have you said yes to Christ? Have you said, I know I've made mistakes. I know I've done wrong things. I feel broken. I know at times my life is out of control. I need you. And if you are born again, if you have received Christ, if you received the Holy Spirit when you were baptized, are you living this out everywhere you go? Are you choosing to hide that? in some places. And I also want you to think about this question. Are your eyes open to the spiritual reality of your friends and family? Are you paying attention to their shame? Are you paying attention to their pain? Are you paying attention to whether or not they are living disobedient lives, whether they're harming themselves to their choices? Do you see your friends stuck in a pattern that's leading on a path that scares you, that concerns you. Think about these two questions. Are you born of God's spirit and are your eyes open to the spiritual reality of your friends and family as we pass out the albums? Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram. So give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church/give. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.